everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am the usual uh, one half of the show. My name is Jeff. The other half of this show is uh, coming to you from a discreet location this week. We cannot tell you where he is, but it is Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome. Hey, I'm going to have to ask everybody to be a little bit quiet today because... It is a very discreet location. Very discreet. So, I know, I as, first, as we found out last week, my brain is a little scrambled these days. So I'm just yeah, no fault of his own, folks. He's just like, how old are you now? Eighty six? Uh, no, eighty four. Eighty four. <laughs> I'm joking, by the way. Yeah. It is the start of baseball season, and that means very long, busy days for me. But it's better than the start of like basketball season or something that I just I don't care about. So this is true. All right, Mark, let's get into our BP segment. I have got a ton of stuff. We are a baseball history podcast, but I want to talk about something that just happened last night because it is damn historical. Pardon my French. (laughs) Roki Sasaki last night for the Chiba Lote Marines threw a perfect game and struck out 19 batters. Wow. That is incredible. The Marines were taking on the Oryx Buffalo. Buffaloes, I guess it needs to be plural there. Struck out. Buffalo plural for Buffalo? Well, here it says. They're not talking about one Buffalo. (laughs) Listen, this is the way it was written. I'm going with it. The Buffalo. All right. So he struck out 19 through a perfect game. At one point, he struck out 13 consecutive batters. That is four and a third innings of nothing. (laughs) The fielders could have gone and had a Coke and a smile in the dugout. That is dominant. Sasaki is 20 years old. Oh, that's ridiculous. This is the first perfect game in the NPB since 1994 and the 16th in league history. His (laughs) fastball was topping out at 100 miles per hour to complete this game. 19 strikeouts, perfect game, 105 pitches. You're kidding me. That is, this whole thing is just so, it's mind-boggling. My goodness. Perfect games rarely happen. 19 strikeout games rarely happen. You know, we need to look and see what is the record in the MLB for, in a perfect game, the, the highest number of strikeouts, because I'm sure it's nowhere near 19. Yeah, 19 is insane. That means eight players put the ball in play. (laughs) All right, so we're going to look that up for next week. I'm sure we'll probably get some emails with the answer before that, but that's great. I want to know what the the Major League Baseball record is in a perfect game for highest number of strikeouts. But, wow, that I just couldn't wait to talk about that. That is... That's pretty incredible. That is incredible, which is... You know, the opposite of both the ham fighters and the tigers this year. <laughs> <We're just laughs> so true. Struggling. All right. Another thing I wanted to talk about the Rangers a while ago, if you remember, they introduced the boomstick, which is like a mile long chili cheese dog that I really do believe I could put away within an inning because I love hot dogs. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to try it. This year at the World Champion Hammers, They've got a contender. They are selling a burger that cost $151. 150 for a burger? For a burger. Now, let me describe mm. it to you here. Wagyu right. beef patty with cage-free pan-fried eggs, 
gold leaf wrapped foie <laughs> grilled cold water lobster tail, heirloom tomatoes, Tillamook cheddar cheese, which seems like kind of a step down for an expensive burger, and uh, truffle aioli on a toasted buttered bun served with Parmesan waffle fries. My gosh, I don't know if it's 158 bucks, but it sounds good. Yeah, now that's not the whole story here. Now that might sound, as you just said, like a lot for a burger that legitimately sounds disgusting. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> foie gras uh, oh. lobster on my Wagyu beef with eggs. Like, it yeah, just, it'd be worth a shot. It, there, there's a lot of really good things here, but I don't want them <laughs> all together. I want them individually. <laughs> Uh, But the point of this is that there's a catch. You also get a replica World Series ring with it. Oh, wow. That's that's impressive. Yes. Now, if you if that's not enough for you, though, right, you can pay twenty five thousand dollars for this burger and get an authentic World Series ring. They have a jeweler that will come to your seat and measure you at the stadium. And then the ring will be shipped to you, to your residence or wherever you want it shipped. So you can you can get the, the thing for 151 and get the replica or you can actually get the burger and a real one. If you've got 25K just kicking around, burning a hole in your pocket. You want to know what I paid for my Jose Altuve replica World Series giant ring? Giant. Does that mean it's bigger than he is? It, it, well, it barely fits any of my fingers. I could wear it almost as an armband. <laughs> I don't know. What'd you pay? Uh, three bucks. So Yeah, that sounds about right for that <laughs> for that World Series title that the Astros got. That sounds about right. I'm never going to live that down, and they aren't either, and you know what? That's okay. Well, Brian Cashman's all over you. He, he would say that you paid too much for that ring. That's because true. that alone is what has kept the Yankees from winning a World Series. <laughs> yeah, just that. <laughs> just that. All right. Uh, I don't know if this is new, speaking of the Yankees, but I watched the uh, a couple of the Yankees Red Sox games this weekend. And I don't watch a lot of games at Yankee Stadium because it's the Yankees, but they made some two strike noise there. Yeah, (laughs) they did. So I had not heard this one before when when the Yankees are in the field and they get two strikes, they make uh, this noise which is, it's like a submarine klaxon, I believe is what it's called. Oh my gosh. So yeah, the wauga sound kind of, they, they, they play that. Now, some teams have graphics on their video screens or ribbon boards, but uh, the Yankees, not giving in to Aaron Judge's salary demands, have been able to spend that extra money on actual two-strike noise noises. Oh, yes, good for them. Yeah. They're on board with two-strike noise, apparently. They, they definitely got their own uh, annoying version of two-strike noise. They have their own annoying version of just about everything. <laughs> Sorry, Yankee fans. But, uh, speaking of the Yankees, Isaiah Kiner-Falafa. Yes. All, all they say on, on the Yankees broadcast is IKF. That's all they refer to him, so maybe that's easier for me. IKF. He is related to Hall of Famer Ralph Kiner, and I did not know that. Kiner, you know, I never put that together. I did not either. But so I I have been preparing a Ralph Kiner segment because he is, uh, he, as an announcer, he was gold. Gold, Jerry, gold. <laughs> Absolutely. He's just got some great stuff. Ralph, though, as a player, I had no idea. 
Led the league in home runs the first seven years he was a big league player. Wow. Can you believe that? I mean, just to lead the league your first year as a rookie is something. <laughs> That's insane. But he he led the his first seven years in the big leagues, black ink in that home run category. Wow. Very impressive. I did not know that about him. Also, I as I said, I mostly know him as a Mets announcer. He was a Mets announcer from their inception all the way through his death. He That's was impressive, there. too. Yeah. And Kiner's Corner is what really kind of got me starting to to look at, at Ralph Kiner. And then it's what I want to talk about one of these weeks, because it's just so many just incredibly odd things being talked about <laughs> and That's great. bantered about. So I wanted to talk about that. Sounds like a two strike noise segment to me. Yep, exactly. That is uh, that is exactly what will happen. Uh, let's see. Before we get into debuts, we got to go to court, Mark. I hate to do oh. it. Uh, we got we got a couple of notes about a Hank Greenberg statement last week or the week before. I don't remember what. And the fact that he had indeed only won two MVPs, not three. Uh, and I just want to say this. I want to congratulate the three people who caught that. You found the Easter egg that we put in every show to see who's paying attention. <laughs> Congratulations. You win the award. I we, we, Good job. Uh, I can ensure you, though, that this week's episode, completely factual, 100%. Don't now, another question it. about that, Jeff. I believe you said Greenberg won the MVP award at second base. Yeah, he didn't play there. We know that. Okay, just yeah. pointing that oh, out. Oh, no, totally, on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even catch that one. Yeah. Just so you know, that was a tough one. <laughs> so congratulations, everybody. Good job. <laughs> uh, Mark, it's time for our very first segment of the season of the Lars Newt Bar update. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, you shouldn't be. Uh, Lars Newt. has not appeared in a game yet. Newt. He's, he's apparently Newt. on the Major League roster. Newt. But he had a really he did, is. did not have a great spring, has not appeared in the first two and a half games that they have played while we are recording this. Well, maybe he's, when you're listening to this, he's been in there, but so far, nothing. Maybe uh, some good news here. His cards on eBay have actually gone way up. I, I know you're staking your retirement on those. So good yes, luck. On, I didn't do so well on my uh, my Bobby Billy Joe Robido. Oh, you really? Rookies. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I've got a bunch of Sam Horn rookie cards if you want uh, to take those nothing. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I, they, if I could get a lot, I could, you know, recycle them for cardboard. Yeah, it's about, it's about what they're worth. Uh, let's see. This show is debuting on April 12th. My goodness, there is so many debuts for today. Oh, I imagine. But uh, I picked out some really more for names than, you know, wanting to go too in-depth on any of them. But let's start way back. 1913, making his debut today, Dutch Leonard, who you've covered in the past. Oh, gotta love Dutch Leonard. Yeah, arch enemy of Ty Cobb and a yep. uh, good guy who looked out for his neighbors during some stupid times. With, uh, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> looking out for his Japanese neighbors when they were unfortunately forced elsewhere. 1916, Greasy Neal made his debut. Oh, good old Greasy. Yeah, now, I was intrigued by this nickname, and I found out that Neal got his nickname from his elusiveness on the football field. Oh. Where okay, he, also, say. He, he also played professionally. No kidding. Yeah. I, he, I'm glad it wasn't for his hair or something. Yeah, I know. Or, or maybe he was just... A greasy guy. Yeah, a greasy guy. Or a mechanic. A mechanic wouldn't have been bad. Yeah, during the offseason. 
let's see, he batted 357 in the 1919 World Series for the Reds. That led them in their eight-game series win, quote-unquote, over the White Sox in 1919. He was definitely not on the take on the winning team. We can, oh, no. We can see that. Uh, but he had a heck of a series. He did, 357. Also a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame for his time in, in the NFL, AFL, whichever he played with. Also a coach for a good long time, too. Wow, go so, Greasy. Greasy and not Bob Greasy, that's not what I mean. Yeah, no. 1922, guess who made their debut today? We haven't mentioned him in the last couple of episodes, which is weird because Gabby Hartnett made his debut today. Oh, Gabby, yeah, right there, on. There we go. Uh, also, Ole Olson. So Matt Olson's nickname is Ole, but that comes from his last name. So sure. Ole Olson, I got to assume, is Scandinavian. Well, Olson, that's Scandinavian, but yeah. Ole is, is extra uber Scandinavian. Uh, some other names, 1975 Hall of Famer Dennis Eckersley, who probably might come up in the in part of the show. Mm. Uh, Dennis Eckersley made his debut. 1986, I love this guy's last name. This guy pitched forever. He was very effective. Paul Ossenmacher. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ossenmacher, a great pitcher. Well, a really good pitcher anyway. Yeah. Uh, so he made his debut. 1992, Pat Mahomes. So, you know, pretty sure his kid plays football. Maybe. Yeah, that's something like that, right? Yeah. So he made his debut in 1992. And then this happenstance that this guy made his debut in 1998 after the story we let off here with, with the perfect game, not so much, but the 19 strikeouts, Kerry Wood. I never forget thinking, this is it. This is the guy. This is Cy Young part two. Yeah. Couldn't stay healthy. Just yeah. just like Mark, uh, Mark Pryor, teammate. Sure, exactly. I think Mark Pryor is the Cubs pitching coach right now, too. I think he's a pitching coach somewhere. I think it's with the Cubs, but yeah. yeah. So a lot of great names making their debut today on April 12th. All right. That's it for our BP segment. Like I said, we're no trip, no more trivia. We're, we're doing the debuts. I like that a lot better. And uh, grounds crew's already out here working hard. They're in mid season form. And Mark, we have got a kind of a cool topic today. So we did, yes. uh, we did a whole second best show a couple weeks ago. Some people missed that. If you're new to the show, that was a thing we did uh, at the beginning of the show before we got to Wax Packs Heroes. So, Mark, I thought it would be fun. You and I talked about this. We're going to put together our second best teams. Yes. So what this means is you and I, we, we just like everybody, you've got your favorite player at each position. For me, a lot of them happen to be A's since they're my favorite team. I'm guessing you've got a lot of Mariners and Astros as your favorite you players. It. I was going to explain that at the beginning, but yeah, I'm guessing everybody already knows this. So. Yeah. So what we want to do, though, is we're going to we're going to come up with the second our second favorite. So it's it's really kind of a second favorite team rather than second best. But second best right. is a thing we talk about. So. We're going to go through and, uh, you know, we're not really going to rank these against each other. By the way, listeners, there is no right or wrong answer here. So please don't send us emails or DMs saying that we're idiots. We already know that. Yeah, we're, we're familiar. We are completely familiar. We're comfortable with it. We, we, we know there is no wrong, right or wrong. This is just purely preference, personal preference. If you as the listener want to send us your second favorite team, we welcome it. That would be great. We'd love to know. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, this is ours, so take it with a grain of salt. This is coming from our perspective. So, Mark, let's go ahead. We're just going to kind of go around the horn here. I've got pitchers last, but let's uh, let's let's start behind the plate. 
All right. And uh, let's go with catchers. And so this is what we're going to do, Mark. Uh, first, we're going to say who our favorite is at each position, and then we'll say who our second favorite is. So why don't you start us off with catchers? Sure. My favorite catcher of all time, and it's for selfish reasons, is, of course, Brian Harper. Nice. Yep. Formerly of the Minnesota Twins, World Series winning catcher who could hit a ton. Uh, good guy. Every time he came through town with the Twins, he would leave me and my family tickets and we'd go hang out with him. So it was a lot of fun. Brian Harper, numero uno. I would say that is enough to make anybody a favorite. All right. And who's who's your second favorite catcher of all time? Well, I think he's somebody we're going to hear about from you. <laughs> Another guy I spent a little bit of time with, but he's also, he was a fantastic catcher all around. He could hit, he could play defense, all-star game MVP. Just this an all around nice dude too, Terry Steinbach. Nice. Yes. Yes. So Steiny, no secret here. My favorite catcher right. of all time. Yes. <laughs> he is, uh, he is in my number one spot. You said it all-star MVP. I think that one was in Cincinnati that he was the MVP, wasn't it? And it was. I think it was one to nothing or something. He hit the, like a solo home run. All the scoring in an all-star game is, am I remembering correctly? I Yeah. I think that is the case, which is just odd. If not, I'll take you to court for not correcting me. Uh, of course you will. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, your, uh, your second favorite is my favorite, Terry Steinbach. Now, I had a really tough time here. I like catchers. Catchers are my kind of people. So on my list that just missed out, I got Spanky, Mike Lavalier. Gotta love him. Oh, yeah. Got oh, Jason yeah. Kendall, who was on the A's. Just a hard note. I love Jason Kendall. Got Darren Dalton, Dutch. Okay. Love yeah. him. Gary Carter, kid. Love him. We talk about him all the time. But I went with my second favorite catcher of all time as Tony Pena. Oh, nice one. I love Tony Pena. Yeah, so I was uh, looking through some Tony Pena stuff, and I found two different videos, two different instances of Tony Pena faking out the batter. Both times, it's a full count, and he goes out to the mound, talks to the pitcher, comes back, holds his hand up like they're going to walk the guy, which with a full count is kind of odd, but still, if it's a good batter, they're like, maybe we just don't want to mess with him. Right, just put him on. Yeah, so he holds it out. The pitcher goes into his, uh, you know, the batter sees it. He makes a deal out of it. You're like, <laughs> we're walking you. The pitcher goes into his windup, and then Pena gets down in his crouch, and it's a strike right down the middle for strike three. I remember him doing that. I saw it once, maybe twice. But I remember him doing that and thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I like that, but it's legal. Yeah, one of them was to John Olerud, like a real smart batter. But yeah, yeah. Caught him napping. Of course, Tony Payne's catching position is probably what most people recognize. Uh, you see somebody with a leg extended sitting on their butt and you know exactly who it is. But he also had just a cannon of an arm. Even from that squat, he could throw oh, yeah. batters out. 2013, Pena was also the manager of the Dominican uh, team in the World Baseball Classic as they swept their way through the tournament to win the 2013 version. Tony Pena has not appeared on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That's right. his only negative. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's go to first base. Hit me with uh, hit me with your favorite. Right. I don't know if you could guess either of these two. To be honest, my favorite first baseman of all time, as you mentioned, there may be some Astros on this list, is Glenn Davis. You know, you mention when we do Wax Packs Heroes, at least three players every episode. You go, ah, oh, my favorite, one of my favorites, and you do do that with him a lot. So. Yeah. Okay. So, but he was, you know, back in the, those, those Astros teams that, that 
had great pitching. He was the only pop, the only power that we had. And so he, he personally won a lot of games. He personally put us in the lead. A lot of games you would, it was tough to sit through eight other batters and go, when is Glenn Davis getting up? But uh, I made it, you know, all right, who's your second favorite? Guy that went to the same school you went to, my friend. I Mr. Know John Olerud. Yes. <laughs> Love him. Great defense. Could hit a ton. Had some power. Just and and then he just went out and he played hard every day. You know, and you just you couldn't help but love John Olerud. Yep. Oh, I always liked him. Yeah. <laughs> John Olerud also faked out by Tony Pena once. Uh, yes. Mention that. All right. Funny so, that we got there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so my favorite first baseman of all time. Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly. Yeah, sure. This one, I had a tough time as well. Um, I've got on this list also, I've got some other guys that uh, I thought about here. Uh, Will Clark, big contender, but uh, he played for the Giants, so I couldn't really pull the trigger on that. Yeah, that's rough. Keith Hernandez, I mean, my appreciation for him as a ball player is just grown exponentially the last couple of years the more I, I look into him. Uh, Joey Votto is possibly my favorite person on the planet right now. <laughs> you love Joey Votto. Oh, I just, he's a great player, but I mean, if you're not watching Joey Votto's TikTok account, you are missing out. The dude is hilarious. It's not just mopping content either. So I am just telling you right now, Joey Votto, TikTok, check it out. But I went with Jack the Ripper, Jack Clark. Oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. But yeah. I what, thought, a, I, what a great player. I put a lot of thought into some of these uh, beyond just the great nickname of Jack the Ripper. He was one of those guys, you know, you kind of brought it up with with Glenn Davis. I brought it up before we started recording about watching A's games. He was one of those guys that you would stop and come and watch his at bats because every time he came to the plate, it could it could just be a monstrous home run. I also love the way he wore a uniform, which is something that <laughs> ranks very highly in whether or not I like you. He had that really closed batting stance. too. He looked like if you remember as a young child playing baseball or softball, you would like kind of if you're right handed, you'd close your stance. So you're almost facing the right fielder, thinking that that would help you take it to right field. That's kind of what his stance was like, but he could hit it anywhere. 1973 with the Great Falls Giants, where he played the outfield third base and had an 0 and 2 record in five games as a pitcher. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> two way player long before it was cool, but he did not pitch in the majors at any point. Not exactly a clubhouse favorite, not a clubhouse guy. He had feuds with, get this, this list of names, Frank Robinson, Lou Pinella, Tony Gwynn, Ozzie Smith. Who has fights with Ozzie Smith or Tony Gwynn? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, all of these uh, were his teammates at the time, too, when he had these feuds. Also had a poor relationship with Banks. As we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. he owned 17 different luxury cars at one time that he owed money on. And uh, also Jack Clark did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He had a, uh, do you remember an interesting controversy conflict he had with Albert Pools too. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, that was, was when he was one. on the, he was on a local radio show. He had a, he was on the morning show or something. He is, he's bordering on our do not talk about list, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's move to second base, your favorite. And then your, your second favorite. Well, I tell you what, my favorite second baseman of all time is a longtime Astro played his entire career with the Astros and is a hall of famer. And I bet you could guess who he is. Uh, let's see, second base Hall of Fame with the Astros. And since Joe Morgan did not go in with the Astros or the A's, no. uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that you're thinking of a former catcher. Yes, 
Catcher's second base center field guy. And father to a current major league star. That's right. Kevin. That's right. I'm going to go with Clint so You Bichette. got it. You got it. <laughs> I was going to say, you got it. It's one Samuel. I don't think he's a second baseman either. Or anyway, I, I yeah. don't think he played for the Astros. No, he didn't. Yeah. Um, Biggio, he has to be my all-time favorite. He's my my third favorite player. Uh, in you know the list in my head of my favorite players. He's right after Nolan Ryan and Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, for me, I collected like 350 of his rookie cards, which are all not worth that much anymore because we know they're junk wax. There you go. Craig Biggio, number one, my second favorite. Now, some of you probably haven't heard of him. His name, he's another Astro second baseman. In fact, he was the definitive Astro second baseman until Craig Biggio came around. And that is Bill Doran. You remember Bill Doran? I do. He was uh, he was the high priced uh, free agent that Cleveland signed in Major League, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Dude, that's Roger Dorn. <sighs> every time, every time I make that mistake. <laughs> yes, Billy Doran played for the Astros and uh, Cincinnati, and short time with Milwaukee, part of a season. But his years with the Astros, he would play. You know, like one year he played the full 162. Career-wise, he only hit 266, but he has a 354 on-base career, and he stole 209 bases. So that's that's a good chunk for a guy you don't think of uh, all the time as as a major base stealer. He was known as a good dude, good clubhouse guy, and uh, something pretty awesome about him. He named his son Ryan after Nolan Ryan, which of course I would do if I had a son, but I won't. Okay, completely uh, completely understandable why you haven't named anything Ryan. Uh, yes. Not having a, a child of your own. I understand that. All right. Well, those are two uh, two definite mark choices right there. Both <laughs> both yeah. Astros. That, that was definitive. No was Harold right. Reynolds. No, no. Uh, Dustin Ackley. Uh, no <laughs> Robinson Cano. Oh, goodness. No. I mean, gee, those guys all deserve honorable mention. Actually, if I had an honorable mention, it would be Lou Whitaker. All right. So mine uh, is a... Uh, have have alluded to in the past the the middle infield's kind of a, a tough spot for me not really I, I don't pick a lot of favorite players or guys I really like that are middle infielders that's just me I like corner infielders I like catchers and I like outfielders that's just that's just me but it's pretty easy to pick a favorite for me at second base and that's Ryan Sandberg oh, um, love him yeah, Rhino. I don't know anybody that doesn't love Rhino. I loved, I used to, you know, come home from junior high and high school and turn on WGN, get a last couple innings of the Cubs game and see Rhino there. Just awesome. We talked about the Ryan Sandberg game many moons ago, it seems like now, but that was that was fun. It was a little bit harder coming up with my, my second favorite second baseman. And the main reason being here is that a good part of his career, he DH'd, but he came up as a, actually as a shortstop, but he uh, had to move over to second base because of this other guy named Robin Yunt, Yunt, as you would say. <laughs> yes. And then he, he moved all over, but very similar to my center fielder, who we'll talk about, this guy couldn't stay healthy his entire career, finally became a DH and was a little bit healthier there. I am talking, of course, about Paul Molitor. Absolutely. One of the best hitters I ever saw. He's moved all around when he first came up. And that being because he kept getting injured. They were trying to find a place like they're trying to hide him 
to his fragile little body. He was a second baseman is where he spent a good portion of his time, as well as shortstop, center field, third base. Uh, he joked that if uh, Raleigh Fingers retired soon, who was on the Brewers at that point, he would soon be the uh, the closer as well as they just tried to hide him. But he did wear those freaking awesome Brewers uniforms in the 80s, too. So oh, he's yes. got that. In 1987, Paul Molitor, 39-game hitting streak. You remember That's that? Awesome. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, this was like, I was only a couple of years hardcore into baseball at this point. In a 39-game hitting streak, I'm like, I'm going to see these all the time. That's cool. Yeah. Near the end of the streak, a columnist wrote that the most amazing thing about Paul Molitor's streak was that he had, quote, not that he had hit in 33 straight games, but that he had played in 33 straight games. <laughs> That's how injured Paul Molitor get. Uh, the streak, which, of course, went on, uh, as I said, to 39 games, the fifth longest in modern day history, the longest since Pete Rose's 44 game streak in 1978. Molitor, I did not know this. He has a lot in common with former show subject Steve Garvey. <laughs> is that so? Yes. And it, it is not that Paul Molitor was on Fantasy Island because he was not. It is because Paul Molitor has got a lot of kids from a lot of yes. different women. Yes, I've heard rumors. <laughs> Very virile, Paul Molitor. <laughs> yes. A couple of other funny things I, I found about Molly. One time he joked about his nickname, the Igniter, and he said, quote, it's a terrible, terrible nickname. I never once have entered the room and my friends say, hey, it's the Igniter. End quote. <laughs> I would have said it. You know that. <laughs> uh, after retiring, Paul Molitor traveled around the world uh, going to Bruce Springsteen concerts. Like okay. some people do, the Grateful Dead. He was a, a Springsteen head. And uh, no, Paul Molitor did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. All right, let's head over to third base. Let's, uh, let's hear what you got. My favorite third baseman of all time is a man who has passed away, Mr. Ken Caminiti. Mm. You know, again, I talked about roids and how I'm hypocritical on this situation. But I know, so you don't have to tell me. We know, we know, you know, he probably did use roids, but you got to remember for me as an Astros fan through some lean years, this guy came along and he was a switch hitting great defensive third baseman. He was just, he was fun to watch. He, uh, you know, controversial only because of what I already mentioned. He was, you know, he kept his mouth shut and played hard nosed baseball. All right. Second favorite. Second favorite. I think might be on your list too. Um, <laughs> the great Carney Lansford. Uh, I'll let you go into more detail, but, uh, uh, fantastic third baseman, defense, offense, all around good ball player. You knew what you were getting, you know, and, and consistency as well. So I, I'm assuming he's on your list. Yeah. So he's he falls into my favorite. He's my okay. favorite third baseman. The A's had some great third basemen: Eric Chavez, Matt Chapman, uh, but but Carney was my guy. I, you know, I think I would differ with you on defense, uh, but he like, was a he was a fantastic hitter. I think he didn't. He, I think he won the batting title with the with the Red Sox at one point. Bill James famously said that Carney Lansford's defensive range extends as far as he can fall down. Which, that's terrible. <laughs> but man, I loved his defensive position. He was he would get down really low. He'd like put both his glove and his hand on the dirt. He had that mustache. I loved his stance at the plate. He'd hold the bat where like all all of his fingers would be moving until he'd get ready to swing. I just I love Carney Lansford. My second favorite though, I had a tough time here. I love third baseman first of all, uh, and not the typical third baseman. I, third base is the position that I gravitate towards. Uh, the two guys that I was really kind of narrowing it down to. First of all, Rick Shue. 
I've, again, made plenty of mention here of my love for Rick Shue. Rick, really big shoe. He's always on my mind because one of the greatest baseball cards of all time, not featuring a snake or a baseball hitting the subject in the groin, is his 1987 Topps card, which is really the main reason I've always been such a Rick Shue stan, is that card just, I love it. It is just, it should be hanging in the Louvre. My nice. second favorite, though, third baseman, is Mike Pallarulo. <laughs> oh, yeah. How can you not love Mike Pallarulo? First of all, I associate him most with the Yankees. Me too. Uh, he was on the, he was on one of those Twins World Series teams, but I, you know, he was on the Yankees when Ricky was there. That's how I got to know him. Good story I just found while looking him up. September 18th, 1985, Billy Martin sent Pags up to the plate to bat right-handed. Now, if you know anything about Pags, you'll know that he spent his entire career as a left-handed batter solely. Not a switch hitter, left-hander. Now, if you want to see somebody who doesn't like analytics and claims it's destroying the game absolutely lose it, this would be the place to point them. (laughs) Billy, despite having great right-handed bats on the bench available, he sent pags up to bat from the right-hand side, and you can guess what happened. Nothing. Nothing happened because you can't send a left-handed batter switch (laughs) hit if they've never done it before. I don't care. I don't even think Mike Trout could do it. I'm a little disappointed that Baseball Reference does not list Pags as a switch hitter, though, because he does have ah, that bat as a right-hander. Right. And then my final thing about uh, Mike Pallarulo, uh, he did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Another one. Yeah, another one. <laughs> yeah okay. for those keeping score at home, that's uh, zero so far. Yeah, you would think that would be that would almost be like a uh, like a, a you have to have appeared on Super New Teenage Witch to, to make my team. But no, no, I'm no, open to everybody. Far more open-minded yes. than that, folks. Yes. Trust me on that. Hey, one real quick thing about Carney Lansford I looked up before we came on, uh, did the show today. Uh, he's a huge Star Wars fan. I knew that, and I knew he was a huge Boba Fett fan. He actually had started a website dedicated to the Mandalorian. Really? Uh, but when, <laughs> Yeah, but when I went to find it today, it's gone. Oh, so I don't know what happened to it, but I was pretty excited to know he was a Boba Fett fan. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> All <laughs> right, let's get, uh, let's get to shortstop. Who's your favorite and your second? Shortstop wasn't a tough one. Barry Larkin did everything right, you know, except for not play for the Astros or Mariners. Barry Larkin, what did he do or what could he not do? You know, he hit, he had power, he had pop, he drove in runs. He ran, he stole, he played great defense. I mean, you could never, he's a franchise shortstop and they're tough to come by. All famer, he can't argue with it. Absolutely. He's, he was, it was just fun to watch. Also, he was the driving force be to, uh, behind the Red Hots video. <laughs> or the, uh, no, right. I think it's the Reds Hot. Okay? The Reds just, Hot. Yeah. So, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Look it up, folks. Uh, number two. People will be going, how come he wasn't your number one? Well, he's everyone's number one. He's my second, Ozzie Smith. Just strictly because he was the most exciting player out there. I just, I used to love watching him come out and do his backflips before the game. And, and just, you've seen highlight reels. You just watch him play for a while and you will see a highlight reel. It'll happen in front of your eyes, you know, as you go through old games. Uh, never seen anybody with a defense like Ozzy Smith uh, and then the clutch home run in, in the world series and our, or the uh, NLCS, all kinds of just, just great stuff with Ozzy. Good guy. Everybody loves him except for apparently Jack Clark. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> so without question, absolutely my second favorite of all time. Very nice. Yep. Now Jack Clark does not get a Christmas card from Jack Clark. Uh, let's see. So this again, like I said, middle of the infield really hard for me. Uh, my favorite, a, 
guy that is, I think he played his first game today because he was suspended for the start of the season. Tim Anderson. T.A. Yes. Contemporary player. I think might be my all-time favorite shortstop. No kidding. Yeah. I'm going to say, I don't, you know, I'm not going to go with Walt Weiss, Miguel Tejada, uh, you know, Marcus Simeon. None of these A's guys are going to reach it. Uh, Let's see, Ozzy. Yeah, everybody loves Ozzy. Is he my favorite? No, he's not my favorite. Yeah, this was, again, middle of the infield is really hard for me. It is just, typically they're not my favorite players. So then I had to think of, all right, well, it took me a long time to figure out that T.A. was my favorite. Who's my second favorite? Easy, Derek Jeter. Really? Just kidding. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was about to just bite my tongue for the rest of the show. <laughs> no. Uh, so let's see. Uh, first of all, I came up with Schwan. Schwan Dunstan. Oh, awesome. Uh, I mean, again, it goes back to the watching him on WGN. Come home from, from junior high, high school, watch watch some Cub games. Uh, but then I thought about also could be there Raphael for call. Uh, Rafi oh. made the final round because I got to see him a lot in Atlanta. He had speed. He led off. Sounds a lot like Tim Anderson, by the way, which is the kind of things that I love. I love leadoff batteries that run and are fast. Yeah, but yeah. I did go with Sean Dunson, by the way. Um, who, who do you think would win in a fight between the itchy meter and the Shawano meter? Ooh, yeah, I, I got to go with the Shawano meter. No offense. Yeah, well, um, I, the, the, I mean, that's the, that would be, you know, a, a man versus a woman. So. <laughs> Uh, no, no, it, it's not on who holds it. It's, uh, no, it is. I'm going with, I'm going with the show on a meter. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, is there an itchy meter if there's no Sean meter paving the way? Very true. Swung as hard as he threw it is what I wrote down about Sean Dunstan as well. Wore great stirrups, like really good stirrups. In 6,276 plate appearances in his career, Dunstan walked 203 times. <laughs> Vesley uh, giving his anemic 296 career on base percentage, uh, you know, really showing how he came. Wow. That. He is not a money ball guy. No, he is. Uh, could very well, if he wanted to, he could have come from an island because you cannot walk off an island. That's right. Uh, and then finally, Sean Dunstan did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. All right, let's head to the outfield. Left field, what do you got? Left field, well, I don't know if you've heard of him, but a guy named Ricky Henderson. Is my all-time favorite left fielder. <laughs> we, we've, I think we've got the same guy. That might be my all-time favorite. I don't know. We'll wait. <laughs> How odd. So I'm not going to go into him a lot because, folks, you want to know about Ricky Henderson? We got lots of past episodes. Every one of them talks about Ricky yeah, Henderson. That's about. all I'm saying. <laughs> so my second favorite, though, and I don't know if everybody's going to remember this guy, Jose Cruz. He, he played center as well, but uh, usually the Astros had some slick field and center fielder out there. He played a lot of left field. I loved Jose, one, because he was an Astro back then, and two, because he was just very exciting to watch. You know, he kind of a slap hitter. He'd hit you maybe 10 home runs a year, so and that's all the power the Astros had back then sometimes. So it was for a line drive hitter, is the expectations were a little more than what they should have been. Great hitter, uh, stole a lot of bases, fantastic defense, and pure excitement. That's what I loved about my second favorite left fielder, Jose Cruz. All right, so yeah, it's it is no secret. There is no suspense who my favorite left fielder is. He could also be my my favorite center fielder if I, you know, wanted to extend it that far. But yeah, Ricky Henderson <laughs> is is my favorite. I no need to even talk more about him. We did a whole episode, episode fifty, all about him. But as Mark said, I think he makes more appearances than Gabby Hartnett on this uh, on this podcast. So <laughs> it came down to my my second favorite left fielder, who is obviously just miles behind. 
Ricky. And uh, I had to put some thought into it. And I think <laughs> I'm think i going to have to go with Mike Greenwell. Oh. Gator. Love and, Mike Greenwell. Uh, I thought it was strange as well to choose somebody from the Red Sox uh, in an era where they would play the A's in the playoffs every single year. But I, just like Ellis Burks, I really liked Ellis Burks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Mike Greenwell, uh, yeah, you're my second favorite. Probably should have been the American League MVP in 1988. But Jose Canseco, that was the year he put up the first 40-40 year. And, right. and won that. Uh, we've talked about his big game on September 2nd, 1996. Red Sox beat the Mariners 9-8 to in 10 innings at the Kingdome. And uh, Gator drove in all nine runs for the Red Sox. Beat the beat the Mariners all by himself at the oh, I remember that, yeah. Uh, Gator <laughs> got his nickname during spring training one year where he caught an alligator and taped its mouth shut and then put it in Ellis Burke's locker. <laughs> which I do not condone that, but that sounds like something from the 80s or 90s that would happen in a, this is true. In a locker room. And, and, and fortunately, Mike Greenwald ha, has not appeared on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, another one. Yeah. Jeez, this isn't going well. No, it's not. All right, let's head to center field. And don't um, say John Fogarty, because I will, I will edit that out. <laughs> I wasn't going that way anyway. Um, my favorite center fielder of all time is a guy I got to watch a ton uh, as I got older. He was incredible, and I, I don't know if I could say enough about him, Mr. Ken Griffey Jr. Shot. Pretty good ball player. Yes. Yeah. Someday I'll, I'll talk about his uh, accomplishments on the field, but it's going to take the whole show. So I'll just skip now to my second favorite center fielder of all time, and I bet you could guess it, Jeff, if you wanted to. Um, well, I'm guessing it's uh, – well, I, I, I don't think it's Hendu. Um, no, it's got to be somebody from the Astros. I'm guessing. Um, no, actually, my second favorite is Steve Finley. Ah, yeah, I knew I knew it was somebody in that vicinity. <laughs> yeah, an amazing um, defensive guy, good hitter all the time. During the steroid era, hit even better just by random chance. Yeah, all around stolen bases, home runs, had some power, drove in runs, scored a lot of runs. Played great, great, great defense. Uh, won a number of gold gloves, I believe five gold gloves. And he, uh, oddly enough, played for all five National League West teams. Oh, so kind of odd. Yeah. yeah, so um, Steve Finley was just, uh, uh, I keep saying this about these guys, but that's why I like I like guys who are fun to watch play, and he was definitely fun to watch. All right. No, can't argue with, uh, can't argue with that. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., not on my list at all. No, no, because I mean, this is for favorites. I did not. I never really cared for him. He was on the Mariners. Amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was excited every time he came up to bat. Yeah, I just uh, I he's he's not on my personal favorite list. Again, this is personal preference, so I am not wrong. No. My favorite center fielder of all time. And I've, I've made mention of this, that if I happen to have grown up on the the East Coast, this might have been my all-time favorite player versus Ricky Henderson. My favorite center fielder of all time has got to be Eric Davis. The guy would be in the Hall of Fame easily if he could have just stayed healthy. Yeah. I had to uh, think who else? Who else I wanted to go with in center field? And, well, yeah, I'd rather talk about Eric Davis. I think I need to have the – I'm going to give the nod to Kenny Lofton. Nice. Lance Johnson, also in the uh, the one dog, also in the conversation. But he didn't have the Edwin Jackson, Julio Franco, Ricky Henderson-esque length of career like Kenny Lofton did. Right. So just not, just not around as long. The first I heard of Kenny Lofton was back when I actually paid attention to college basketball. That was back in 1988. I was in junior high school, and Kenny Lofton was uh, on the, the University of Arizona's basketball team. 
and they were always good. Lute Olsen, I remember mm-hmm. that name. Lofton is one of the only two dudes to play in the Final Four as well as a Major League Baseball World Series game. The other is happens to be a guy that graduated from the same high school as Kenny Lofton, and that is Tim Stoddard. Oh, nice. Kenny played a lot of places, like Ricky Henderson and yep. Julio Franco and Edwin Jackson, like I mentioned before. Apparently, at one point, DHL had an ad campaign with Kenny, and they were poking fun at uh, how often he changed addresses. Also, uh, Kenny Lofton did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but he did make an appearance on the Wayans Brothers and George Lopez. He co-wrote a song for American Idol winner Ruben Studdard, who I believe was nicknamed the Velvet Teddy Bear, something like that. Okay. Not the Velvet Fog, because that's Mel Torme. Right. But I think he was named the Velvet Teddy Bear. And Kenny is the uncle of actor Sirock Lofton, who played Jake Sisko in my favorite Star Wars show, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Now, I was not aware of that. Yeah, so there you go. That a lot is, of it I wasn't aware of. <laughs> that is center field. Let's now head over to the right side of the outfield. Right field, what do you got? Uh, my favorite right fielder of all time is has only one name, Ichiro. You know what? Every time he came up to bat, I would stop what I was doing and watch because you just never knew what was going to happen. You know, defense, the arm, everything about him, excitement. Ichiro... Is, is definitely my favorite right fielder of all time. There's another guy, though, that came a close second, and we've discussed him numerous times. He had the gun of an arm. He used to throw guys out just f- for fun when he was goofing off, and that would be Jesse Barfield. Yeah, now, I, you, you could have, I was thinking maybe even Buner. He's, he, oh, I, he was on the yeah. short list, yep. and, and I, I love Jay Buner, and he, he was an awesome Mariner. But uh, Barfield just barely beat him out. Jay Buhner and Barfield had very similar arms, though. They both had just absolute rifles. And it was not an easy choice, but I went with Jesse. You know, he, he was a, a Blue Jay. I think of him as a Blue Jay. He was also a Yankee. Mm-hmm. I remember, okay, it was 1994, and I was so excited because the Astros had signed him. And I'm like, Jesse Barfield's going to be an Astro, you know? And I'm stoked, and he was going to start and write. Uh, he got hurt, and he didn't make it back that year, and he retired. So I never got to see my second favorite right fielder play for my Astros, my second favorite team. And the Seinfeld lure was not enough to get uh, Jay Buhner over the hump. No, even that. Jesse, what can I say, man? I love to watch the guy. (laughs) All right. Well, my right fielder, as you can guess, no Mariners involved here. Uh, My favorite right fielder is Mr. Padre, Tony Gwynn, who, uh, again, not on the Jack Clark Christmas card list or Festivus (laughs) list at this point. I we've talked about Tony Gwynn enough and, and we really want to know uh, my second favorite. And so, first of all, uh, a, a name that came to mind here was Hideki Matsui. I loved mm. him. He was uh, very even keeled, which I really liked. Nothing seemed to get him too high or too low, which, you know, when you're playing for the Yankees is something. Uh, when he was with the A's, it was great. I got to see more of his personality, see him joking around uh, and stuff. And uh, I really liked him. But I'm going to go with my second favorite right fielder of all time is somebody that's it's tough because he's on our do not talk about list. Mm. So we don't talk about him a whole lot, but it is Brian Giles. Sure. Um, I don't know why uh, we've opened a lot of uh, baseball cards that uh, 
really lets us read up on what a lot of guys have done since baseball. And a lot of them get sent to the do not talk list. And, and, and Brian Giles is one of those guys. I, I liked his brother as well, especially uh, when, uh, when he was on the, uh, the, the hammers while I was there. But Brian was the first pirate ever to hit 300 with 30 plus home runs and a hundred plus RBIs in back-to-back seasons. And uh, I just, I don't know why I liked him. The good thing is he did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But as we discovered a couple of weeks ago, Giles did star in an ad campaign for Nair. That's which right. I have been unable to find a copy of this ad and I badly want to see it. So internet, please do your thing. Listeners, ask friends, do your own <laughs> searches. I need to see this Nair commercial with Brian Giles, who, by the way, when Brian Giles did the stuff that got him on our do not talk list, that's when Nair said, uh, no, thank you. No and, more. Yeah. yeah they <laughs> so did everyone. It's even the Padres. Yeah, I mean, you know, at first base, I could have Troy Neal could have been on my list, too, because I really liked that guy as a player, but just uh, uh, not a great guy off the field. So uh, we've we've gone all around the the diamond, except for a couple of positions. First, before we get to pitchers, uh, did you do a DH? I did. All right. Who you got? Uh, My favorite would be Edgar. Okay. who the DH award is named after for good reason. I won't go into more Edgar. He's just Edgar, man. Uh, second favorite. Sometimes you got to go with a guy who played DH half the time. And this guy played first base and DH. That was Frank Thomas. Nice. Yeah. Loved him. Uh, still really like him. I like the commercials he does. And um, <laughs> you like his product. That's what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you never tried it. But anyway, he, uh, he hit for everything power. He could hit for average. He, he took his walks. Uh, he played good defense at first. Uh, he wasn't the most mobile guy, but if you hit it at him, he was going to make the play. Consistency, consistency, consistency. He was, as, as someone who didn't used to like the White Sox very much, I was a big fan of Frank Thomas. All right. So my favorite DH of all time is somebody that played on the A's, but not for very long. We've talked about him, though, because he wore a freaking hockey mask. Uh, at one point, as well as a football face mask uh, when he had a broken jaw. He was a style plate. He was a lover of cocaine. Uh, If he and the boys were bopping, you know, watch out. The Cobra, Dave Parker, is my favorite (laughs) DH of all time. I thought he might be on here. Yeah, so uh, thinking of my second favorite, I had a couple of names come to mind. First of all, I thought of Rubio Durazo, but uh, it wasn't around very long. And, of course, I'm thinking of him just as the A's, not so much the Diamondbacks. Pronk, Travis Hafner, somebody that I love. <laughs> Fun cyborg, but again, not a long, you know, not a very long career. So I had to go with the Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm with you. He was the first baseman for a good part of his career. Later DH, this guy... Uh, one of those linebacker type dudes from the 90s. Of course, he obviously, he, he also played football at the University of Auburn. I'm fairly certain he did, didn't he? Or am I just getting him confused with Bo? I think you're right. Yeah. So just a big dude like Pronk uh, and just like the Cobra. I mean, just a mountain of a man. It's Frank Thomas. I even liked him on the on the White Sox when they were the A's rival. Even when Hawk Harrelson was on the mic describing games, I liked Frank Thomas. <laughs> Then he was on the Jays and obviously two different stints on the A's. He was a big fan favorite here. He did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but of course, Frank Thomas uh, is in one of my favorite baseball movies, Mr. Baseball. Mm-hmm. He also appeared on that MLB Star Pact episode during the 94 player strike of Married with Children. 
And he's uh, also, as you mentioned, a big proponent of extends, which I believe probably doesn't do anything, but it's been around for such a long time that I guess it's not killing people. So <laughs> I guess yes. I guess there's that. And interestingly enough, he, he does these commercials, but he when when roids were a big deal, he was very outspoken. Yes, against was. steroids, um, he he was the only, I believe, the only player who was actually playing at the time to be interviewed by the Mitchell Report. Yeah, active player. He has uh, he does not get holiday cards from Jeff Bagwell or Yvonne Rodriguez because he has That's called right. them out multiple times as saying they should not be in the Hall of Fame because they are steroid users whether they admit it or not and those are two names that we've yeah. we, we are you know we hear all the time as as having used steroids as well but yes. yeah yeah interesting uh, also he uh, did not say his name but he alluded to mr barry bonds after he hit his 500th home run uh frank said it means a lot to me because i did it the right way <laughs> just more <laughs> reasons to like the big hurt absolutely all right let's uh i've got it broken down to starting and relief pitchers do you how do you get pitchers I just have my two favorite pitchers. They're both starters. All right. Hit me with them. I, nobody's going to guess my number one unless you go listen to show 34. <laughs> or <laughs> Nolan Ryan. other shows after that. Yeah, it, it, I'm just going to leave it at that. It's Nolan Ryan. You want to know more about my obsession with Nolan Ryan, go back to show 34 or pretty much any episode. Who's my second favorite pitcher of all time? This was a struggle because there's so many of them that I liked. But I got to go with a guy that brought me a, a lot of fun, a lot of excitement at my job, Felix Hernandez. Yeah, I thought you were going to go with Mike Schooler. But okay. All oh, right. so close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Felix, you know, um, he came up when he was what? 19, yeah. 20 years old or something. <laughs> I saw, I, I went down to, to Tacoma uh, just to see him play. I wanted to see him pitch because he was a big deal. So I went down there and uh, it's the only time I've ever seen players strike out and then smile because they would come back to the dugout with a wry grin on their face. Like, yeah, right. Like I was going to hit that, you know, they would, and every one of them would strike out and then just come back and look at the rest of them shaking their head. And he certainly proved himself as he went through his career. Um, I don't think he has officially retired yet. If anybody's interested. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed his, uh, his friendship with, with Adrian Beltre. Beltre. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Those guys were always giving each other guff and, and, uh, trying to one up each other. Good stuff. Always laughing and joking. He was, he had a, he had a great time playing the game. Interestingly, he's, he's kind of the opposite of Nolan Ryan. As far as emotion goes, Nolan Ryan strikes somebody out and walks off the field. Like, yeah, I did it again. Felix, man, he would, he, you know, especially to end an inning, he would, you know, jump and swing his arms and make a fist. And, you know, he, he made it exciting for, for fans of his. All right. I'm a, I am, you know what? There's, there's a Mariner that I like. I've always liked okay. this Felix Hernandez. Sure. All right. So I had to go. I broke it down to starting and relievers. My favorite. I mean, again, this is not a shocker to anybody that's listened to the show at all. Dave Stewart is my favorite starting pitcher of all time. Stu's the dude. Uh, breaking it down in terms of my second favorite starter, I went with I had two guys in mind. I had Greg Maddox and Tim Hudson. Uh, I think, though, that I I, I got to go with the Hall of Famer. He's uh, a goofy kind of guy. He's got glasses, weighs a buck 70 soaking wet, uh, does stupid things in the shower with other guys, which that's not, you know, the greatest that we want to <laughs> talk about. I can throw a baseball like 88 miles per hour and strikes everybody or gets everybody out regardless. Um, you know, he was in Chicks yes. Dig the Long Ball. Uh, we've talked about that multiple times. Quick games, which uh, as somebody working a lot of games in Atlanta, I really appreciated that. The uh, ridiculous mustache on his rookie card 
Yes. <laughs> just, <laughs> that was great. Of course, legendary defense as well. I mean, all those gold gloves, uh, you know, not he could, he could get you out with the pitch, but he could also field his position. One of the best ever to do that. He was born April 14th, 1966, the exact same day as his teammate at one point, David Justice. And also the same birthday, not the same year, but the same birthday as another former teammate, Steve Avery. Greg Maddox did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but there is the aforementioned Nike commercial that he was on. He was also in an episode of Mr. Show, and there is a song by the Punch Brothers called Movement and Location that was written about Maddox. Which oh, that's, that's a perfect uh, description. It really is. All right, I also did a favorite reliever which i'm just going to go quickly here uh dennis eckersley my favorite reliever. yeah he's my number one too yeah no question about it i've never been more comfortable in a win than when dennis eckersley walked out to the mound guy's got a no hitter and uh, at one point i think he led uh I, I, was he one of the guys one of the 18 guys during their late 80s early 90s that had the most saves in major league history for like a month right uh, yeah thing kept going back and forth second favorite I, I thought of maybe Roger McDowell, but then I thought, oh, wait, we've done episodes on guys like Mo Drabowski and Flint Ream. Half our shows are about crazy relievers. So uh, take your pick on any of the guys that we've done episodes about <laughs> for favorite relievers. Yeah, uh, that, that totally is. I mean, you couldn't have described it better. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, this took longer than I was expecting to come up with my second favorite team. Yeah, it wasn't that easy, was it? No. And it's like we'll be opening Wax Packs Heroes, which we're going to get to here in a minute. And, uh, you know, somebody will come up and I'll be like, oh, boy, I really liked him. Yeah. Um, but when I had to really narrow it down, I mean, of course, up the middle of the infield for me was really hard. But everybody else, I'm, I'm happy with my picks again. There is no right or wrong answer here. You could be yelling at your your phone or your your stereo wherever you're listening to us we're not wrong <laughs> but <That's right. laughs> if you want to send us your second favorite team uh, include your favorites as well that's that's great uh send them to us we'll tell you here how to do that at the end of the show but mark it is now time for everybody's favorite segment it is time for everybody's favorite cardboard and wax based 1v1 co-host v co-host exhibition it is time for wax hero All right, before we get into it, let's review the rules. Mark and I will both be opening a pair of baseball cards, generally from the Junk Wax era. We will look at these cards and get credit for each player's baseball reference war from the year of the pack we are opening. However, whoever has the highest war total at the end is proclaimed the winner. But there are some qualifiers that can add or subtract from your score if the player is wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitary socks beneath. That's an extra tenth of a point of war because that's good. But if they are wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, that is minus half a point. Noah's Frio. If they have anything around their eyes, meaning sunglasses, glasses, glasses, a monocle, or even goggles, extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or caricature on them, Extra tenth of a point of war for each. If that player won an award that season, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, or was an all-star, extra tenth of a point of war for each. And if that player now has a plaque in the hallowed grounds of Cooperstown, New York, you get a whole point of war because that there is a Hall of Famer. 
And finally, Mark and I will each pick a team. If we get a player from that team, we get an extra half a point of war. But if we get a player from the other person's team, we minus half a point. Mark, with that, which team are you picking? I am going to go with the Kansas City Royals. All right. Well, if you're going to go with the Royals, I could go with the Cardinals, natural rivals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think though, I am going to go with, I'm going to go with the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know why, but I'm going to go with Toronto. Now, if we look at this, the standings board right now, you are still sitting at 19 wins. I've won two in a row. I'm at 11. We are playing to 20. You are already the defending back-to-back champions. You're still one away from putting this away for your third straight title, which I want to do because I am ready for some new rules to take effect. So we're going to once again open a curated pack from uh, our, one of our listeners, Marshall. We, again, appreciate it. We're going to open this and see if maybe you can get a win and just put, put me out of my misery here. <laughs> so uh, we've got two packs here. You, I'm going to let you choose uh, which, one of the, which one of these you want, and then you can choose if you want to go first or second. All right. So I got two envelopes. Let's see. You always ask me right or left. I, this one ended up in my right hand because I usually go with the right. We're going to go with that one. Okay. So am I a visiting team again? You know, for once, I'd like to come from behind. Okay. As long as all you right. win, that's all I care about. I, I want to okay. put this year behind me. Here is, these are going to be uh, multiple years. So right. I have to go by years. All right. This is as a guess the theme on it. All right. Uh, you're starting off. With a uh, 1990 tops, Kevin Gross. Okay. Uh, my first thought is these guys could all be garbage pail kids. <laughs> I don't think that's it. But. <laughs> all right. So 1990, Kevin Gross. Kevin Gross, 15 years in the big leagues. Uh, most of it with Philadelphia. That's definitely where I think of him. He also spent four years in L.A. In 1990, he was with the other Canadian team. So I just missed out there. Montreal, 9-12, 4.57 ERA, 163 innings, 111 strikeouts, an ERA plus of 80. That does not bode well. And all of that together will get me a war of 0.5. Uh, is there well, anything on that card that's going to help me out? I cannot. I think, I think those are real stirrups. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right, we'll, we'll take that to give me a, a point six. There you go. First round pick. Uh, okay. in a first round pick for the Phillies in the 1981 draft. Threw a no hitter for the Giants against the, uh, or for the Dodgers, I'm sorry, against the Giants in 1992. Wow. And, oh, this is <laughs> uh, in 1990, pitching for the Expos in LA, Gross and Fernando Valenzuela each hit a homer off of each other in the same inning. That's weird. That is uh, that is very weird. There you go. Kevin Gross, start me off right. Nice. Um, so here's your next player. Pitcher Bill Swift. This is another 90 tops. All right. I'm thinking Seattle adjectives for the, uh, for, the, for the last names. Right Ooh, off the we bat. got Gross and Swift. Could be, could be. All right. So Bill Swift, 1990, you said? Yeah. All right. Member of your Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. Six, oh, good year. Six and four. 55 games out of the pen. He did start eight, 2.39 ERA, 128 innings, 42 strikeouts. Not He's not going to get a lot of whiffs, but still a 164 ERA plus. I like that. Wow, nice. That equals a 2.5 war out of the bullpen. I wouldn't have expected that out of Bill Swift. Yeah, is there anything on that card that's going to help me? The stirrups look like they're fake, but I can't be positive, so... Okay, we're going on to your next guy okay. for the White Sox, Bill Long. <laughs> I'm very. This is just like Wordle. I, I like to see how quickly I can come up with the uh, with the theme. 
So we have we got Swift, Gross, and Long. <laughs> well, it's, I'm okay. Yeah, this is we're we're safe for work, so I'm going to just stop there. Yeah, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Bill Long, six years in the big leagues. What year did you say? Ninety. Ninety. All right. Of those six years, five were with the White Sox. Uh, he split his final. Oh no, he split part of ninety with the with the Cubs, and then ninety one with the uh, with the Expos. But nineteen ninety. Overall, six and two with a four point five five ERA, a ninety one ERA plus, and all of that equals a WAR of exactly zero. Nothing. He didn't hurt you. No. He was exact average player. Nothing on the card. Nothing around the eyes, and it's just like a bust. Uh, shoulders up. Well, it, lo- it looks like uh, Bill is currently a sixth grade social studies teacher. So hey, good, for good for him. Social studies are are undertaught, I think. Okay, so I'm at three point one. All right, so we got gross, swift, and long. And if you got all those three, you're definitely Doug. People are strange. All right, Douglas Strange, nine years in the big leagues. Boy, he kind of kicked around everywhere. Two years was the longest he was at any stop, including two years with your Seattle Mariners uh, near the end of his career. That's right. Uh, Let's see, what year are we looking at here? Uh, 90 again. 1990. Well, this is not good news for me. Uh, He was a rookie in 89 and then did not make it back to the big leagues until 1991, where he only appeared in three games. So that doesn't really help me out. Career-wise, his war was a .5, so I'm guessing I probably wasn't going to get a whole lot from Doug Strange. I'm I'm hoping that he's got flip-downs with eye black and real stirrups and sweatbands and a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, none of the above. So no, okay. no uh, lone batting glove and uh, just eyebrows around his eyes. So no <laughs> such luck. <laughs> what about eyelashes? Do those? I don't see them. So you know, I have to call it. We don't know yet. Unknown. All right. So I'm still stuck at three point one. All right. We're moving now to 1993. Player for the Dodgers named Eric Young. Your uh, your guess at the theme is looking more and more yeah, accurate. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Uh, Eric Young. Uh, and we are looking at Eric Young uh, Sr., I assume, not Jr. Yes. Especially if it's 1993. Right. <laughs> Let's see. 1993 was his second year in the big leagues. He came up with the Dodgers in 1992. And then in 93, played in 144 games for the Colorado Rockies, where he spent a good portion of his career, five years of his 15-year career. He hit 269, a 355 on base, only three home runs in Colorado. Not a lot of power. Yeah. Uh, Also stole 42 bases that year. We like that. An 80 OPS plus. And all of that equals a war of 1.7 in the right direction. I believe Mr. Young stole a few bases in his career. Yes. For his career's 465. That's good. uh, Which is good. About a thousand less than Ricky Henderson. But we can't all be Ricky Henderson. Uh, As we said, Eric Young Jr. has been in the big leagues. All right. I'm at 4.8. Moving on, I believe we have the oldest card uh, that we've ever done in Wax Packs. Oh, is this valuable? Is is Marshall sent us something we can cash in? uh, No. Uh, But (laughs) that aside, 1984, Fleer, Brian Little. Little. Little as in my ego. (laughs) There's questions about this? Oh, no. So, now, the, the name Brian Little to me... I go to hockey. Brian Little was a player. I think he's he's retired. He was on the Atlanta Thrashers when I was there and then played also for the uh, Winnipeg Jets when I dumped them, when they dumped me as a fan. But this Brian Little uh, had a five-year career in the big leagues. Now, you said 1984? 
Uh, yes. All right. So Brian Little's nickname was Twig. 5'10", 160 pounds is what he's listed here. Uh, 1984 with Montreal, he appeared in 85 games, primarily as a second baseman shortstop, so up the middle. Overall, 244 average, 332 on base, no home runs, nine RBIs, two stolen bases, three caught stealing, 34 walks compared to 19 strikeouts, so that's good. 81 OPS plus, and all of that equals a positive .5. There you go. So it's at least in the right direction. I like that. Brian Little coming around, coming on for you. Um, here's a question for you. Brian Little's brother is also in baseball. Well, I know that because I just looked, <laughs> I just oh. looked him up, but had a, I had no idea that his uh, brother is uh, former manager Grady Little. I had no idea either. And uh, knowing is uh, half the battle. So uh, I'm at 5.3. I got to imagine I only got a couple cards left here. All right. Next is Blue Jay Bud Black. Well, that's good because I also picked the Blue Jays as yeah. my team. So I'm. This will be 91.5 right off the bat there. Bud Black, a former manager, former pitching coach. I don't know. Is he maybe he's managing somewhere now and I don't remember? Yeah, he's the manager of the Rockies right now. Oh, that. So there we go. Uh, Bud Black, though, as a pitcher, 15 years in the big leagues. Very nice. Most of it with the Royals. You said we're back to 1990? This is a 91. 91. All right, with the Giants in 1991, Bud Black led the league in losses. But he did go 12 and 16 with a 3.99 ERA. That's not bad, especially for 91, to have that kind of an ERA, but that's a lot of losses. 214 innings pitched, 104 strikeouts, a 90 ERA plus, and all of that equals a war of 1.1. Hey, another positive. Anything else on that card going to help me out? No, no eye black on Bud Black. No eye no, black. He's just an upper torso shot. He's just staring into space. So no such luck. Oh, Bud Black started the game for the Royals in the uh, George Brett Pintar game. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. All right. So I get the 1.1 of war plus the half a point of war because he's on the Blue Jays. So that's a 1.6 for me. And that will bring me up to eight even. All right. From Bud Black to Devon White. Devo is one of our two favorite players from Kingston, Jamaica. That's right. Along with Chili Davis. So you got Devo in 91, my friend. All right. So 91 uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays, but he is not not pictured with the Blue Jays. Probably with the Angels still on that card, right? Um, He is with the Angels. Yeah, just missed out. First year with Toronto, 17 years for Devo in the big six with California, five with Toronto, and then he moved around a bit. Let's see. Came in 16th in MVP voting, but he did win the gold glove this year, so that'll help me out. Overall, he hit 282, a 342 on base. Uh, 10 triples, 17 home runs, 60 RBI, 33 stolen bases, OPS plus of 116, and that equals a 6.3 war, plus the gold glove will be a 6.8. Nice. Just don't tell me he's got fake stirrups, because he wore them often. I'm hoping they just weren't pictures. You can't tell. You can't tell. All right. They're stirrups, but... He always wore those two and ones. But if we can't tell, I'll be. Can't tell. All right. So I'm at 14.8. All right. Next player. Also uh, 1990. Uh, A guy that I once had to pick up at the airport and got lost. Kurt Young. Pitching coach to the stars. And uh, I have apparently spelled it wrong. And Google is uh, showing me Curvy Young, which is not. (laughs) I don't know Curvy Young. That is not safe for work right there. Uh, Let's see. Kurt Young. 
uh, of course, I think had a better career as a pitching coach, but he still pitched for 11 years in the big leagues, 10 of which were with my Oakland Athletics. You said 1991? 91. 91 with the A's. He went four and two, five point even ERA, 41 games starting. Or no, I'm sorry. He was coming out of the pen this year. He did start one. 41 games, only 68 innings, 27 strikeouts, a 77 ERA plus, And all of that equals a war of minus 0.4. Wow. That one kind of hurt. I'd prefer Curvy Young on that one. But <laughs> there we go. Uh, pitch, Like I said, he's been a pitching coach everywhere. Very successful as a pitching coach. All right. I'm at 14.4. Is this my last card or I got two? It's your last card. Right. And it's... Uh, it's an 85 tops and this is the third baseman for the a's when you were a kid mr wayne gross wayne gross which once again fits right into my uh my adjective i I think i got it after two i'm gonna stick with wayne gross 11 years in the big leagues nine of it with oakland Uh, spent a couple seasons with baltimore before finishing his career in 86 with three games with the a's you said this is 85 um yes all right that was his final of two years with baltimore only hit 235 11 home runs 18 rbi so i'm guessing 10 of those 11 home runs were solo shots Uh, 46 (laughs) walks 48 strikeouts a 120 ops plus that will equal a war of 1.7 a positive number. Yeah, I don't think you had any negatives. This yes, game. I did. I did have. Uh, I did have one. But uh, all right, all right. So I finished with a sixteen point one, which is a pretty good score, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, going over the theme again, your guess was adjectives. Adjectives. You are correct. All right, so I get yep. a minus sixteen on that for being correct. All right, so let's see. Uh, let's see. We got your team again, the Kansas City Royals. Mine are the Toronto Blue Jays. All right, here we go. All right, here's the pack. All right, starts us off with a Mets catcher, nineteen eighty. Yeah, this is eighty five. Junior Ortiz. Nice. He was part of my Junior Ortiz, Ken Griffey Jr., Felix Jose. That's right. Uh, Junior Ortiz, I remember him mainly for the uh, being on the Twins. Uh, he was the he was a backup catcher for the Twins in that 90, let's see, 90 and 91. Probably right yeah. around, probably just after Brian Harper. Uh, let's see, you said 1985. Right? Yes. All right, so he was with the Bucks that year. 13 years in the big league, seven of it with Pittsburgh. Only appeared in 23 games. Hit 292. Had a home run, a couple of RBIs, a 92 OPS plus. And that will equal a war of a positive 0.3. That's good. All right. So this is a, an interesting. So we had adjectives before uh, as the as the theme. This is how Junior Ortiz is not a very big Wikipedia page. Ortiz was a light hitting catcher with a stutter known for having a strong sense of humor. All right. Well, there you go. Um, All right. Let's 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 just think of here. Let's see if we can get this this wordle on the, you know, without a All second. Right card junior ortiz i am guessing that the junior has something to do with it probably so i'm gonna just go ahead and i these cards are not in front of me i cannot see these i'm gonna say every one of these is gonna have junior in their name okay or their father was a big leaguer or they're the father of a big leaguer i'm just guessing here all right next card all right so we're looking for juniors here folks ready next card bud black <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, this is with the Blue Jays, uh, 91. This is a 91 top. Are, are you sure you're not just looking at the card when we pulled Bud Black from Mike? Um, 
I'm pretty positive, unless Marshall's a magician and he okay, can have a jump from one to the other. Because 91 was the same year of Bud Black that we pulled. Yeah, it's the same card. Oh, okay. It's just a different, no. different envelope. Come on, Marshall. This is this is, this is is lazy. <laughs> oh, so, no. But oh, this works for me, though, because you get the 1.1, but he's on the Blue Jays, which is my team. That's right. So you're only going to get a .6 out of it. Dang it. Uh, all right, so we got Bud Black and Junior Ortiz. I'm wondering if they were on the same team together. Well, let's move along. All right. Another Blue Jay. Oh, I like it. This is Mookie Wilson. Mookie Wilson. 91. 91. All right. Throwing a wrench into this this whole yeah. thing. But uh, Mookie Wilson, 1991 with the Blue Jays. His final year in the big leagues, 12 years, 10 of it were with the uh, with the Mets. Of course, won a World Series uh, with the Mets. 86 games in his final year, 241 average, 28 RBI, 11 stolen bases, a 70 OPS plus. That equals a war of minus 0.4, plus he's on the Blue Jays, so that's minus 0.9, barring anything on that card. <laughs> Darn it, Mookie. <laughs> that bumps you back down to zero, exactly. Uh, I'm at zero. Yeah, interesting about Mookie. He uh, married his wife at home plate in yep. 1978. Yeah. We, are, we already know that he believes in dinosaurs because they believe in him. Gee, let's see, so we've got Mookie Wilson, Bud Black, and Junior Ortiz. I, I have right. no clue currently. I'm, I'm lost myself. So um, the next card, though, is not a Blue Jay, thankfully. <laughs> uh, former Oakland A starting pitcher, Storm Davis. This is 91. All right. Bud Black, Mookie, and Junior. I mean, their they're nickname. Oh, Bud Black is not Bud Black's real name. That's a nickname. So everybody here is going by nicknames as their first name. Junior Ortiz, Storm Davis, Mookie. Mookie. Nailed Ah, it. You may be onto it. I think you got it. Took me a while, but I'm pretty good at this part. All right, let's see. Storm Davis, 13 years in the big leagues. You said 91 again? Yep. All right, with the Kansas City Royals here, 3-9 and with a 4.96 ERA, 114 innings, 84 ERA plus, and that will equal a war of exactly zero, which is what your score was before this card. That works out unless there's anything on that card that's going to help you. No, I have a very average team overall, I think, since we're at zero. Um, No, uh, nothing on the card is going to help me. Uh, Storm is staring up and pointing at a UFO or something, it looks like. Maybe it's a pop fly, but I'm going with UFO. Oh, well, this fits right in with the beginning of the show. We've we've talked about this many times before. Storm Davis's parents adopted Glenn Davis. That's right. That fits right in with your favorite first baseman. All right. You are you're stuck at zero. I fear we're going to we're still going to be playing this season next week. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Uh, Here's here's one of my favorite uh, first names, fake first names of all time. Bip Roberts. Ah, the Bipper. I remember Bip with the Padres more than anything. I also post uh, one of his baseball cards every year on Cinco de Mayo where he is spotted in the dugout wearing a sombrero. Nice. This is a 90. 1990. Tops. All right. 12 years in the big league for BIP. He did uh, pre and post game for the A's for a while. I don't think he does that anymore. 1990 with the uh, San Diego Dads, 149 games. Hit 309. Very nice. Wow. 375 on base. He had nine home runs, 44 RBIs, 46 stolen bases. Walk to strikeout average, pretty close. A 122 OPS plus. And all of that equals a war of 5.8. Out of Bip Roberts. I did not see that coming. I admit. Thank you, Bip. The Bipper. And, uh, how about the card? Is there anything there that's going to help you out? 
Yeah, no, not help me. But he does have fake stirrups. Yeah, the way, bit. Uh, again, I'm trying to lose. What? All right. <laughs> It's not easy. Your competitive nature is getting the best. I know. I just, I, I don't like to lose, but I, I'm trying to here. All right. So you're at 5.7. Okay. And we're moving on to our next nickname, Bucky, Bucky Dent. Now, should we mention his middle name? Sure. As Red Sox? No, we can't. We're a safe for work podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, this is an 83 tops. 83. All right. We're really going back here. So Russell Earl Dent. 12 years in the big league, six with the Yankees. Clearly what he was most famous for. 1983, he was wrapping it up. His final full season in the big leagues, it was with the Texas Rangers. Hit 237, two home runs, 34 RBI, a 61 OPS plus. And that's going to get you a war of positive 0.3. There you go. Go Bucky. Uh, anything on that card going to help you out at all? Yeah, it's obvious the stirrups are real, but... Uh... No, nothing else is going to help. All right, so you get the stirrup. At least he didn't get the stupid stirrup knock against him. Yeah, well, of course, 1978 is what everybody's going to know Bucky for. He courted controversy. Remember in 2003 when uh, when the Red Sox opened the green monster seats above, above the, on the top oh, of the yeah. green monster? yeah. First game, he sat up there near where his home run landed. <laughs> wow, that is uh, that is gutsy. Is, is what I'm currently hosts a podcast deep to left with Bucky Dent. Nice. Uh, very nice. In 1979 had a pinup poster. So that is not, <laughs> that is not the kind of poster that we had of players in their uniform playing the game. Uh, also appeared in the 83 issue of Playgirl magazine wearing a swimsuit and also appeared in a TV movie, Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. That's what it was called, portraying a wide receiver who was the love interest of one of the cheerleaders. Wow. Bucky the actor. Saucy. All right. So uh, you're at 6.1. All right. Uh, we got another 1983 tops. Woody Fryman. I am going to admit I have never heard of Woody Fryman. It was, uh, this is one of his 400 years he pitched, I believe. Well, looking at this, I can see that he is a pitcher and he's left-handed, so that does not surprise me. 18 years in the big leagues, in the big leagues for Woody. Two-time All-Star. There you go. He's got that going for him. 83 was his final year at age 43. That's never good, yeah, now, okay. He appeared in six games, went 0-3 with a 21-even ERA, <laughs> and has... 19 ERA plus. That will equal a minus 0.7. <laughs> Great. That's wonderful. Oh, Something yeah. else uh, that, that was wonderful about uh, the year you just discussed, I see on here that he not only was 0-3 with a 21 ERA, he blew his only save opportunity and then <laughs> retired. Oh, Well, he was also traded with Dale Murray, who is a favorite of our friends at the Baseball Beyond Batting Average podcast. After his playing days, he retired to his tobacco farm in Kentucky. Tobacco farmer. Yeah, he's uh, also has passed away. So he probably smoked. All right, so you are at 5.4. And next card is a 1990 Fleer of Hubie Brooks of the Montreal Expos. Yep, definitely remember Hubie on that AstroTurf for the, for the Expos. I remember that. 15 years in the big leagues. Uh, six with the Mets and five with Montreal. He came up with New York in 1980. You said 1990, though, however, right? Yes. That was his lone year with the Dodgers, where I remember that, actually. 
remember him there. 153 games, 266 average, 20 home runs, 91 RBI. 307 on base, not that great. A 102 OPS plus, and all that equals a 1.7. Okay, it's positive. Yeah. Uh, that'll take your total up to 7.1. About yes. You're nine points away with two cards left. Uh, it's going to take a miracle. Anything on that card that's going to help you out? Nothing at all. Oh, Donnie Moore was Brooks' cousin. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, Donnie Moore, of course, took his own life. Uh, also gave up that. Big home run to Dave Henderson in the playoffs. Uh, yes. But, uh, all right, so you got two cards left. You need 10 war to tie me. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. My next player is another 90 Fleer, and it's Chet Lemon. Chet Bitter Lemon. Oh, boy. You know, Chet Lemon is such an underrated player. Chet totally. the Jet. Oh, I love that. Chet the Jet. Wow, Chet Lemon, I mean, in the, the late 70s, early 80s, was one of the best players in baseball. Absolutely. Uh, 1990, not so much. It was his final year. Uh, Chet Lemon, wow. Uh, let's see. 1990, though, was as, unfortunately his final year. 16 years in the big leagues, nine with the Tigers, and uh, the initial seven with the White Sox. 1990, a 258 average, five home runs, 32 RBI, a 107 OPS plus, and that equals a war of 2.4. Well, you know, it's not a bad. Step. Uh, just looking at his numbers from earlier in his career, he led the league in hit by pitches four out of five years. Average wise, 300, 318, 292, 302, double digits in home runs. I mean, the guy was a, a really good center fielder, all star a couple of times. But yeah, late in his career, not much going on there. All right. So you're at 9.5 with your final card. I finished with a 16.1. Yeah. Once you hear the final card's name, you're going to think, oh, <laughs> all right. This is a uh, 1986 tops of the one and only Dickie Knowles. Dickie Knowles. I know. I think a Dickie. I think a Dickie Thon. Yeah, me too. But uh, Dickie Knowles, right-handed pitcher, still had an 11-year career. Spent a lot of time on a lot of teams. 1990, final year. We've got a theme. Maybe that's the theme. This is all their final years. Uh, but uh, let's see. Dickie, full name is Dickie Ray Knowles. So if it is indeed... A, uh, a a nickname for uh, for the theme. I'm going to send Marshall to court. Well, we'll see, man. Yeah, let's see. Member of the uh, 1980 World Series team with the Philadelphia Phillies. All right, 1990, Philadelphia, his final year. 0-1-1, your second guy with a ERA over 20, with 27. (laughs) (laughs) And that will be a war of a minus (laughs) 0.1. That's not going to help you in any way, shape, or form. All right, so yeah, that's going to do it. And uh, that's going to be a 9.4. I unfortunately have a three-game winning streak. Yes, now, yes, I, you do. I warned you, don't let us get hot. We've been resting our best players, so this we're, gonna, is, we're just going to have to get the team out This there. is kind of like the Red Sox and the Yankees, where, you know, the Red Sox are down, three games, yeah. nothing. They got no, I got nothing to lose. So yeah. I'm laying it all out on the line there. 
I'm drinking my beer and my chicken before the game, sometimes during the game. Doesn't matter. We're, we're the idiots here. But right, yeah. we, do, we do stupid stuff because we're stupid. Yeah. Um, you, what about the theme, man? Are you well, going with I, the. Uh... I'm hoping that it was supposed to be nicknamed so that I can take Marshall to court. Well, Marshall has foiled you once again. Oh, no. The, you were right. It's the uh, common name is not their real first name, except for Dickie Knowles, whose given name is actually Dickie. Well, see, then there's no <laughs> common theme. You're going to court, my friend. I am going oh, to come on. Nope. No, there's, it's not a, the theme has got to be the pack. You can't you say it in here. It doesn't matter though, but I don't, I don't know that until after the fact it's got to be throughout. It's got to be consistent because I had it, but then this last one made me say, Oh no, it can't be. But it is a good piece of, of podcast. Yes. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find the heck out of it. <laughs> You're just angry. And you know, if he, if there's any dissent, I'm going to double the fine. So, you know, that's, oh, that's my prerogative. But you totalitarianism guy. I've run this clubhouse with an iron fist. But like Marshall, no, thank you. Seriously, though. we love these curated packs. These are great. And again, uh, if you if anybody wants to send us either unopened packs or some curated packs, uh, that's great. If you want to curate them, uh, if you just make sure they're 10 cards or less, that would be great. Uh, we will tell you how to get a hold of us right now because we're ready to wrap up this show. Uh, as always, we are available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're here for your entertainment. You can find us uh, on all the socials at Two Strike Noise, at TWO Strike Noise, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, all those kind of things. We're there. Also, we're getting a lot of emails, which is great. Mark, what about that address? Email address is TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com. If we haven't gotten back to you yet, I promise we will. That is great. This was a great episode. I really enjoyed uh, going through those second favorite players. It's a little bit longer than our usual one. Uh, Usually we try to keep them around an hour, hour and five. This one ran a little bit long, but it's because we had a lot of things to talk about and it was a lot of fun. So uh, that will do it for us this week. Uh, We look forward to hopefully a better Lars Nuke Bar update uh, next week. (laughs) But uh, we'll be here. We hope you will be too on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Good night. Good night.